Those dicks. I know. So rude. The holy dick. (laughs) Oh my God. Holy Richard. (laughs) Okay. Holy Richard. (laughs) Richie Dicky. Okay. I'm sorry. Good day and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report episode 29. Almost 30. Wow. <laughs> Where did the time go? <laughs> like us, kind of. Ew. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. night. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. We're so happy to have you. Today is a paranormal episode. Spooky ooky. Where we talk about ghosts and stuff. Ghosts and stuff. I will go ahead and hold the matches, (laughs) pre-lighting the candle. (laughs) Would you like to tell me about your week? What has kept you up? What has kept me up? I've gone down like the the like wellness granola rabbit hole of the pfoas or pfas <laughs> and i just followed like a bunch of instagram accounts that are like these are all these toxins and all these things you own and eat and this is how to avoid them and eventually i, I tend to just be like oh that's t- too much work i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna stop eating ben and jerry's because it has carrageenan in it like what's that it's, it's um, irrelevant. It's, <laughs> it's something that they get out of uh, like seaweed. It makes ice cream and stuff thick. It's in toothpaste. It's in ice cream. For some people, it, it upsets their stomach. And I don't know if it's linked to cancer or not. I don't remember. Oh. But anyway, yeah. Okay. I've, I've learned PFAs are in things underwear, which mm. the period underwear, which is upsetting because mm-hmm. I, I really like those. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know. That's, I'm just, yeah, Instagram rabbit holes and also TikTok rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. That's been my week. Last year I was like TikTok. I'm never getting a TikTok. Lo and behold. And now I'm like obsessed with TikTok, so. I still haven't done it yet, so. You you don't have to. I really don't. I already have attention problems. I do not need to do this (laughs) to myself. Yeah, I scroll so much that. Like a little guy, like a little TikTok from a guy at TikTok pops up and is like, hey, you want to get up and grab a glass of water and get a snack? Or if it's late at night, he'll be like, maybe you should go to bed. Maybe you should mind your own business. And I'm like, oh my God, how long have I been scrolling? Why are you telling it's me what to do? But it works because then I'm like, oh God, like this is worrying. Right. So then I, then I go to bed. It's like when you've gone through all of the matches on a day to nap, and it's like, there's oh no one God. else in your area. It's like, oh. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> uh, Ripperoni. What's kept you up at night? Well, I'm the opposite because since your episode, I've had like three bags of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop. 
I know I always say it, but work is busy, but this week, I kid you not, has flown by. I feel like today's Tuesday, and it's mm. not. I've just been so busy, and it, it makes me nervous because I have a lot to do, and I'm supposed to leave early tomorrow, and I'm probably not going to be able to. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't really have anything I can think of. Um, I got the Headspace app. Oh, and I really, really I like that app. Yeah, I really like it, and it's helped me fall asleep. So that's oh. pretty cool. But I've just been really, uh, you know, busy. And the first like couple of nights this week, I was reading a book that I was supposed to read for my book club book that I had like a month to read, and yeah, of course I waited until Sunday. I feel that. Um, but I read The Vanishing Half. Love that book so much. It was very good. Highly recommend. Love that book. We both give two thumbs. Yes. But anyway, that's that's about it on my front. All right. What color is the match going to be? I don't know. Navy blue. Ooh. Oh, yay. Okay. Do you want to tell me something spooky? Yes. All right, all right, all right. Portland, mm. Oregon. No man land. I always get Seattle and Portland mixed up. I don't know why, but I do too. Like every time. Mm. But this we're in Portland <laughs> this time. We're not in Seattle. Okay. Uh, and it's the 1850s. Okay. No one has heard of... Feminist bookstores. <laughs> no. Cold brew. They didn't even hear of that until like 200 years later, okay? <laughs> well, no, no, like 150 years later. Yeah. Or I don't think bicycles had been invented yet either. Bicycle. I oh. actually don't know when, when bikes were invented. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm just trying to, to be funny. Paint a picture for you. Yeah. The Portland of today is not the Portland of the 1850s. Mm. Do you think there was craft beer? Or like Well I don't like craft beer as we know it, probably not. Okay. Because I don't know what beer production looked like in the eighteen fifties. I don't I wanna say it probably wasn't as mass produced. So every beer their beer at the time could technically be considered today a craft beer because but I actually don't know. I was just asking. Okay. <laughs> I know, but then yeah. I was like, I had to latch onto that. Okay. Yeah. No, cool. And uh, Japanese gardens and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Right. Wasn't there. Wasn't there. Okay. In the 1850s, though, they had heard of strip clubs <laughs> or similar establishments. Actually, today, Portland has the most strip clubs per capita. Really? Of any other city in the U.S. Impressive. Including a vegan one called... <laughs> Excuse me, what differentiates a vegan stripper from not? Well, all the food there is vegan, and they only wear vegan leather, a.k.a. plastic. Okay. So, like, there's got to be better alternatives, but, yeah, vegan. It's called Casa Diablo. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, just... The house for, of the vegan. For all of you uh, vegans out there. <laughs> who who want to go to a strip club there, I don't, there it is i don't know if you should become a tour guide <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm trying my best no i'm sorry that was me no you'd be great 
<laughs> a century and a half ago, Portland was known as one of the most dangerous cities in the world. Also interesting. Did not know that. Right. And they had lots of similar establishments to strip clubs, minus the veganism, probably. <laughs> I don't. I wonder if people were vegan before, like, if they thought no, they about that. they needed to survive. You, they no, did you're not... right. No one was vegan. No. Okay. <laughs> no, stop that. They probably would have thought it was, like, witchcraft. They're like, you don't eat like, cheese. What? <laughs> um, except, well, except for other cultures not well, in the U.S. Okay, yes. Um, that I won't get into. Okay. So, the port in Portland... <laughs> Was very large, hence the city's name. Okay. Port, Portland. It's a port. Okay. And Not a bay? No. Okay. A port. <laughs> and they had dozens of bars, bordellos, a.k.a. brothels, which I didn't, I'd never heard of that, mm. but that's what that is. I, I like the word bordello better. It sounds fancier. Right. And boarding houses, and they were all packed near the waterfront to service the constant stream of sailors Mm. who poured into the city back from long voyages across the Pacific to Asia. Mm. The voyages were long and unforgiving. They, so the sailors wanted to party and let off steam. Um, yeah. On their shore leave. Wink. (laughs) You you didn't (laughs) see it, but I I just winked. It was very, very nice. Thank you. You're welcome. And blushing. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, traffic in the city was very bad because there is so much cargo being moved around constantly from the ships that was being unloaded. So it was decided that tunnels would be built under the streets of Portland to move these goods from point A to point B without running anyone over or causing traffic jams. Chinatown was the commerce hub in Portland, so many of the tunnels focused on this area, and they were most of them were built by Chinese workers. The tunnels connected the city's oldest buildings with the, I might pronounce this wrong, Willamette River. Um, Willamette? Willamette? Mm, not quite. Okay. Will, Willamette River? So that goods could be brought in from the ships to the city center. Okay, back to the sailors. They hated their jobs. Oh. The work was hard and the voyages could last years with very little time off to enjoy themselves. What was the guy from the the Croatan case? I bet he's like... <laughs> Like, his hands on his hips, like, you thought your journey was bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he has the worst. <laughs> the worst commute ever. The worst ever. journey ever. <laughs> no, that's way worse. Lots of these sailors just quit or never showed up after their shore leave. And also the trade between Asian countries and the U.S., a.k.a. Portland, was booming and new ships were being set sent out to sea so quickly that they couldn't find enough people to work on them. Hmm. Um, There was a skills gap, if you will. Sure. Captains had to get creative. Can you guess what their solution was? They probably took people against their will. There you go. Hmm. There it is. I thought we were going in this direction. (laughs) The captains would hire men to help them out. 
these men would go to the saloons or whatever, the bar, the bordello, and take a look around, scope it out. They were looking for young, able-bodied men who were drinking alone. Uh Oftentimes, they were transient, maybe passing through town for whatever reason. And so they'd, these men would find s- such a guy and join him and they would like touch him in some way, like touch his shoulder or something. And that was their mark so that their collaborators knew that he was, going. he was the one. So they would cozy up to him and be really friendly and ply him with drinks and also oftentimes drug his drinks. Um, That's not cool. No, that's really bad. Once he was incoherent and stumbling, they took him to a quiet corner of the bar where a trapdoor opened up underneath him, which is is something out of like a a movie, you know. Did the bar agree to this? Were they like, okay, fine, like give me 10% of your commission and I'll install this? I'm not sure. But yeah, it seems very Hollywood. Yeah, I'm not sure what the bar's relationship was with this operation. Pull the lever, Kronk. Exactly. <laughs> I Wrong watched, lever! I watched a Ghost Adventures episode on this, and literally they like, reenacted it, and the bartender had a lever. Really? <laughs> pulled it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if that's actually how it worked. But the, the trap doors, in general, like, connected. I'm not sure if they were put in for this purpose or if they just connected all the buildings to... The tunnels for trade purposes. I think mm-hmm. I think it's probably that. But okay. Or if they didn't have a trapdoor, they'd take him to the basement where they knocked him out. Oh. From there, he was dragged through the tunnels and into a holding cell in the tunnels. That's so scary. And it's like dark, completely dark down there. Yeah, I don't also. like that. The men would take his shoes and they would spread broken glass on the ground. <gasps> so if he tried to escape. He wouldn't get far, and he would leave a trail of blood behind him, mm. which is like, a, oh, that's like that's saw level messed up. Yeah, it's really, I don't like that. I don't like that. Mm-mm. When the ship that requested these people was about to leave, they would drug the man again and force him onto the ship where they would receive $50 per person that they captured. How much was $50 in 1850? $50 in 1850 was worth $1,697.93. Okay. More or less. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, not that, saying that, that, that. No, I mean, no, like, in one night's like, work, it's like. A, that's a decent amount of money. Yeah. Okay. When these men woke up who were captured on this ship, they had to make a choice. They could either work or starve. They were essentially sold as slave labor, and they would have to work for at least six years or two voyages to return to Portland and be set free. Dude, no. That's that's, a bad contract. Yeah, it's really bad. This type of human trafficking is known as being shanghaied. Oh. Yeah. Wait, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. At its peak, 2,000 people a year were shanghaied through these tunnels called the Portland Underground, but more commonly known as the Shanghai Tunnel. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. that was familiar. I didn't know it was in Portland, though. I thought it was in Seattle. See, that's so funny. <laughs> See? <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Can someone please email us and tell us the difference between Portland and Seattle? And we will get a lot of angry. We have listeners sorry, over there. Guys. I'm sorry. We've like, never really been out west, okay? Yeah. I've been in California. That no, we've watched Twilight, and that's. I don't know if that's a redeeming. That's it. No, just like Pacific yeah. Northwest, they have forests and stuff. It's that's beautiful. All I know. It's beautiful. I would love to, I'd go. Love to go. I'm not knocking it. No. I just don't know anything about it. I'm sorry. My cognitive <laughs> map over there is very un uncharted. Right. Yeah. Me, me neither. Okay. Women were trafficked as well mm-hmm. and recruited into prostitution rings. Quote unquote recruited. Right. Forced. Yep. Forced. Yes. So the the people who would kidnap these women and do this were called crimps. So not pimps, but crimps. Mm. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but they would do the same thing. They would befriend a, a young woman, drug her, drop her down a trap door, and imprison her in the tunnels. And then they would be kept in isolation in a closet like a box alone. Okay. Um, for between eight to 48 hours. No. And so that was, it like, that would like really mess with your mind. Yeah. You know, and make them more like vulnerable. That's so effed up. So that they were, they could then continue to be coerced into this. Not unlike like modern trafficking operations where they're manipulating and breaking people's spirits you know to try to keep them in their organization and under their control chinese gangs also control different parts of the tunnels which went on for miles underneath the city and they use them to smuggle in goods drugs and people also shanghai people and they punished disobedient gang members by keeping them in the tunnels as a punishment. And sometimes they just never came back to let them out and would let them die in there. Oh, my God. Mm. These tunnels were used from the mid-19th century to the 1940s. Later, during Prohibition, they were used to smuggle alcohol from the ships to bars in Portland. Bar owners hid their alcohol in the tunnels. They had hidden doors in the bars as well. I don't know if they led to the tunnels or not, but they would hide there during police raids. And the police couldn't really search the tunnels effectively because they were so extensive. Mm. And so they could never really find anything. Historians, though, are kind of skeptical of all of this legend or stories about the shanghaiing thing mm-hmm. and they've said that there's no evidence that the tunnels were used for this purpose but like they've done excavations and found like shoes and stuff something shady so, definitely like, happened yeah i definitely think something happened this other historian named barney blalock wrote a book about this the shanghai thing shanghai and he says that the story that the tunnels were used for shanghai first appeared in the oregonian in 1962 and then they started doing shanghai tunnel tours in the 70s Mm. so he thinks it's kind of like more a tourist thing Mm. instead of something that actually happened so 
I don't know. I'm not a historian, mm-hmm. but I think it's very interesting anyway. Mm-hmm. Today, the tunnels are a tourist attraction and are said to be super haunted because many people died down there. People who were beaten, left down there to die, starved. You can take a tour of the tunnels and see the cages where they kept or where they imprisoned women uh, who were being trafficked there as well. So, okay, the ghosts. What, what happens down there? What's paranormal about the tunnels? Well, lots of people feel when they're down there like someone's watching them. Mm. Many people have seen an apparition of an Asian man walking around in the tunnels. They've named him Sam. Hi, Sam. I don't know why. They say he also turns off the lights in bar basements <laughs> and moves things around in the tunnels. Yeah. And people have heard voices saying Sam over and over in the tunnels. Ew. People say he has a positive energy, though. Okay. And so he just kind of like... Hangs out. Doing his thing down yeah. there. He's not hurting anyone. Well, that's good. People report seeing shadows being touched. Sometimes spirits will pull at their clothes and hair. One man heard, when he was down there, heard a child, like, whistling and then was thrown to the ground, oh. which is not great. Um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of that experience. No. But people say that most paranormal activity down there is friendly. Interesting. Yeah. In addition, people have, for example, been in a bar and went down to the basement and there was... an entrance to the tunnel that was bricked up and they put their ears to the doorway of the tunnel which Mm -hmm. like creepy and they heard like moaning and screaming no getting louder and louder and like coming towards them absolutely not and then they witnessed they ran upstairs and then they witnessed glowing entities rushing through the pub okay so that's um, kind of intense. A little bit, yeah. Tour guides have seen apparitions as well, including a nine-year-old boy who was hired by the crimps to empty the chamber pots of the women. The people have also seen apparitions of the crimps as well. They're like stuck there because they're evil. That's what that's what the source says. Okay. And they have red eyes sometimes. Ew. Gross. Yeah. Mm, like I said, Ghost Adventures went there. Season 6, episode 1. They got some EVPs in the tunnels with some intelligent responses from male and female spirits. And Zach talk to a spirit named Nina who was one of the women uh, forced into prostitution. Apparently she told him to get naked. Okay. You can bet Zach loved that mm-hmm. because he has a weird thing. He has a thing for ghosts. Especially like sex worker ghosts. Mm, yeah. And Zach also got 
a thermal image of a purple form without legs following <laughs> Nick. Ew. I also learned from this episode that Aaron grew up in Portland, which I didn't know, but which makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah. People have had bricks thrown at them. Oh, my. People have put, I don't, I don't know who exactly these people are, but have put wind chimes in the tunnels. Like, there, apparently there are 13 different wind chimes because there's no airflow since it's underground. And so if they ring or something... Or move around, it shows like spiritual energy. That's really eerie. Is there. I don't yeah, like, I, don't I don't like, like that. that. Like I'm trying to picture being down there in the dark and hearing like a little like, tinkle. Yeah, no, 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 no. Ew, ew. They're all like I don't know. I think they're kind of creepy as is. I think it's just because like in every horror movie, you'll like it'll be quiet and then you'll hear one like in oh, the wind. Yeah. I don't know. No, you're right. They are a little bit creepy. A little bit more backstory about Nina, the voice that Zach captured. She was a Native American from the Klickitut tribe. Uh, I hope that I pronounced that correctly. She was captured and sold into prostitution mm-hmm. by white men. And then while she was captive missionaries came and befriended her and they told her they would help her if they told her everything she knows about the ring or the organization but they went to the police with this information and then two days later she was thrown down an elevator shaft oh my god so that's really violent and awful so she's said to haunt the tunnels i would too i i would as well Zach also saw an apparition of a woman, and they saw doors open and close by themselves. The weird thing about this episode, I mean, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of weird. They went, so apparently Portland is still a hotspot for human trafficking, and they went on a ride-along with some local police officers to, like, learn more about that. And they said they wanted to do that because so they can better understand the dark energy associated with human trafficking and to better understand the depths of the evil we will face. I don't know. I don't know why. I just thought it was kind of weird. I mean, I think Um, it's interesting to get that perspective, but I think that's a weird way to have the mindset. It's weird reasoning. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of interesting. I mean, because like, you know, the... The police force was aware of different girls who would walk in these certain areas, like, down the street. So they, like, knew kind of who they were because they would see them out all the time. And they were talking to one of them. And uh, she was, like, 21. And, of course, she's like, no, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a sex worker. Like, you know, but they had information on her that she was. So they arrested her um and said like we can help you if you want help but if you don't you can go to jail so i this is a topic for a different episode but i just think it's so strange that like we would arrest someone who's a victim Mm -hmm. but i guess i shouldn't be surprised but anyway the one of the other weird things is that so zach and whoever their whole team are like filming all of this and she looks at them she's like you guys look familiar 
<laughs> she's like oh wait you're on that ghost show you went to that italian island <laughs> like she was and she's there in like handcuffs <laughs> and zach oh is God. like yeah hey you're a fan <laughs> and i was like this is so weird <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah strange strange section of the show yeah so that's it that's those are the shanghai tunnels well thank you um, yeah, I I mean, they still offer tours. I think it'd be interesting to go on one for sure. Yeah. The thought of being like underground though, like kind of freaks me out. Yeah. And the fact that people were likely imprisoned down there for well, long yes. periods of time, that, 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 that like adds another freaks factor. me out. Because like then you're enclosed in this enclosed space and it's just like, oh God. Uh, yeah. Gives me shivers. Shiver me timbers. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm also on the West Coast. Ooh. We are going to San Pedro, California. It's 1988. So, I mean, I'm not a mom, but being a mom is no easy task. And especially being a working mother is certainly a very difficult task. So being a mother, juggling multiple jobs, studying part-time dealing with the stress of moving after a messy divorce with a baby on the way. I mean, that's very stressful. Oh, my God. And I yeah. can't even imagine. I get stressed just thinking about it. Mm-mm. This was the reality for Jackie Hernandez. She had a young son and a baby on the way. She was going through the breakup from a rocky marriage. Things were just not working out, and they decided it would just be better for them to separate She worked multiple jobs and also went to school so she could eventually get a better job for her family. And she moved into a small bungalow on 11th Street in San Pedro, California. Jackie liked it because it was on a private street and it was just the right size for their situation. Right away, Jackie said she felt something was a little off about the place She didn't necessarily believe it was haunted, but she said the energy just felt different. And I can speculate it's because, you know, this was a big change for her and this was probably the first time she was living on her own or something Mm, like that. Yeah. But in an interview, she said that she was more afraid of having her home broken into than having a ghost haunt her home, which... Fair. uh, Yeah. So like any paranormal story, things didn't start to get strange right away. She did say that she always felt like she was being watched or someone was right behind her, but whenever she would turn around, no one was there. She also had a cat. I don't know the cat's name. I wish I did. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Her cat would just stare off at random things for long periods of time it would frantically chase things that weren't there or it would meow at nothing as you know animals are more sensitive to this sort of thing sometimes the cat would you know arch its back as if Mm. it's like hissing at something or or making it look bigger like a defense thing yeah like it's scared yeah so that's off-putting yeah um Also, things would, some objects that were normally in one room would be found in another room. So just things a little out of sorts. 
And Jackie didn't really tie this to anything paranormal because she thought, for one thing, she was just getting used to the home. Like, there was stressful factors going on in her life. And she was also very tired from being pregnant, from her multiple jobs, and from schoolwork. So she thought, like, I'm probably just Mm -hmm. being more sensitive or more tired, so things aren't making sense to me. And she didn't have, like, another adult in the house to be like, oh, no, like, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. So shortly after moving in, her ex-husband, Al, actually had a fire in his home, so he didn't have a home, so he was staying with Jackie for a little bit. Okay. So one day she said that she was watching TV, And then at her desk, she had a a pencil holder, and one of the pencils just was thrown towards her. Oh, my God. And both her and Al looked at each other and had the expression of, did did that really just happen? Because neither of them touched it. Oh, my God. And it's not like, you know, the cat knocked it over or whatever. It was like... Right. It was like thrown. It was thrown across the room. Oh, my God. Eventually, Jackie started hearing what sounded like rocks or pebbles fall in between the walls which is pretty common in older homes sometimes we hear like a little like Mm. sediment i hear that a lot i do uh we live in a very old apartment so sometimes if like things shift you'll just hear like a little crumbling crumble yeah that was my attempt of a crumble like (laughs) uh i hope it doesn't sound like that good lord Uh, (laughs) oh god that would be so much worse (laughs) horrible (laughs) okay i'm sorry So, I mean, that's normal, but she heard it be consistent to where it actually sounded like handfuls of pebbles were being dropped at a time. Mm. So it wasn't just like one off. It was like a constant drop-in sound between the walls and or even like heavier things bumping between the walls. Mm Mm-mm. She had a friend who had also moved into an old house and they were talking about it and her friend said, oh, you know, actually, I was going through the attic of one of the old homes and I actually found uh, money that the old owners had left in and Jackie was like, oh, you know, I'm going to check out the attic in this house because... Oh, no. Never do that. (laughs) No. Never. So she was like, oh, okay, like I might as well look and... The door to the attic was in her laundry room and it was like one of those just like you push it up Mm, or whatever. mm -hmm. It wasn't like a latch or a ladder or whatever. I would never do that by myself. No, of course not. Oh my God. I I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Can't do it. So she just lifted it up and she popped herself, like poked her head Mm. in and she looked around and there was nothing in there like it was just a small dark attic the attic was completely empty there wasn't any like boxes or items or anything left by the old owners but she said that she felt as if eyes were basically burning a hole through her like just a very intense feeling of someone is looking at you oh I hate that so she was like looking around which if I felt that I would just like Pull yeah, back. I'd be, be like, like no, bye. all right, never have to go no. back in there again. There's nothing for me. Nail it there. shut. But she, no. I know. But she decides to look around and she's like doing a full panorama and naturally, so she gets to like the last corner that she didn't look and she sees an apparition 
of a dismembered head <gasps> that is on the far side and it goes rushing towards her. So she sees this head that is not attached to anything come rushing towards her. Oh my God. So she said she screamed and she fell like on the ground and she like couldn't move because she was so scared and then she like ran out of her house and like went to her neighbors oh my god and she like talked through to people or she was talking with her neighbor about it and you know they were like are you okay or or whatever and she like calmed herself down and she's like okay I think I just like I need to go lay down so she thought that she was losing her mind again from or hallucinating from her pregnancy. So she moved in in the fall of 1988. And then in the spring, she does have her baby girl. She's healthy and everything's all good. However, the activity did not stop after her daughter was born, which did not tie with her theory that she was experiencing this because of the stress and the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So one night she said that she was in the kitchen and there was water pouring out of her light switch. Like just what? as if like a faucet was on the light switch. That sounds dangerous. I know. So that was a thing. So something that she saw a lot were orbs. Like I know a lot of the times you see orbs in photos, but she would see them like with the naked eye. Oh my gosh. So she would see those all over the place. She would also see shadows out of the corner of her eye. She would hear a deep humming or she felt like she was being pushed. She also said that she would wake up randomly at midnight every night without fail so in an interview she said it didn't matter if I went to bed at seven it didn't matter if I went to bed at 11 I would wake up at midnight wow one night when she woke up all of the blinds on her windows just all shot up oh my god at once (gasps) oh I hate that I hate that too oh my god another night when she woke up at midnight she decided that she was going to use the bathroom And me, when I wake up and I'm scared, I never think like, okay, I'm going to go wander around. I'm just like, I'm going to hide under the covers and like, just, just, yeah. Right. Think happy thoughts. So she was on her way to the bathroom and she passed her son's room and she looked in and she saw an apparition of an old man sitting on her son's bed (gasps) on the bottom bunk. Oh my God. She said that the man was sitting cross-legged, which is polite. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) I can... Good evening. (laughs) She said that he looked like a corpse because he was bone thin with gray skin. He wore a red flannel shirt and he was wearing high water pants, whatever that means. He looked angry, sinister, and not welcoming. He wasn't transparent, but he also didn't look human. And she said as quickly as she saw him, he was gone, but she has like the image of his face burned into her because he looked so angry. Oh my God. (gasps) Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I do too. So she like moved her kids and they all slept in like one room together 
in the living room. Like they didn't have a bed. They just like slept on a mattress on the floor mm-hmm. and because she could not move. And I I know we say this a lot in yeah. like a lot of paranormal cases, but she was a single mom. She barely had any money. She worked multiple jobs. She was a student. She could mm-hmm. not, she had gotten right. divorced from a bad marriage. Like she wasn't in a place where she could do that. Mm-hmm. So because she was a single mother living alone, the nice thing is she did have a lot of friends that came around to like check in on her. So one night her and her friend Susan were catching up in the living room and Jackie started to talk to her about what had been happening in the home. So sure enough, Susan and Jackie then hear a loud bang that came from the kitchen. So they went to go see what happened and they noticed that a picture fell off the wall, which isn't too out of the ordinary in most cases, right? Mm, Yeah. This time around, the original painting was on the other side of the kitchen leaning against the sink and the nails that were holding up the painting were on the table standing on their heads upright next to each other oh god i'm sorry that's so creepy because i mean like if it fell they would be like on the floor but you like the fact that they were just carefully placed absolutely not so I feel like that's kind of like a statement from the ghost. Yeah, like, I'm here. Look at what I can do. Yeah. Oh, no. Ugh. It's it's just so, it's not just like a, oh, it fell. It's like yeah. it fell and it wants me, like, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Horrible. Horrendous. Positively no way. Like, no. I, I, no. 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 So her friend was like, why don't you talk to the landlords about what's been going on? She's like, okay. So Jackie talks to them and they tell her, like, talk to a priest. They're like, no, like, we'll we'll fix your light bulb, but we, like, whatever. We're not qualified to talk about this. That's above my pay rate. (laughs) So she calls a priest or she calls a local church and asks, like, can you bless the home? So two priests arrive at the house And they were asking Jackie about what had been going on. And Jackie said it kind of seemed like they were judging her. Mm. And Jackie said that it felt like they were being very cynical about everything going on. Mm. So for one thing, she felt that they were turned off by the fact that she was a single mother. I mean, that is not a reason to judge, especially if you're a priest. What do I know? Mm. The priest also pointed out Jackie had a shelf with a bunch of objects from around the world and there was this one doll from the caribbean and he asked why she had voodoo in her home Mm. she's like it's not voodoo it's just it's a doll but okay and then jackie also had a fish tank and in the fish tank you know how there's like little ornaments that you can put in it Mm. or whatever she had like a skeleton like a sunken treasure or whatever and they were apparently very off put by that and what boring priest i know uh and their response was you are bringing this evil upon yourself oh i hate that victim blaming i know she had a very bad vibe like she said in an interview like i believe in god but i do not like how i was being treated in that situation so they left and she was like okay great the very next day she's working on her paper her son's watching tv and the doorbell rings and who do you think it is? 
No one. Child Protection Services. <gasps> the priests called on them, on Jackie, saying that she was taking hallucinogenics. Oh, my God. And, you know, naturally the day that the child service, child services came by, like the house was a mess. There were toys everywhere. There were dishes in the sink. Her kid was eating a cupcake and had like frosting all over its face. So she was like, why did you have to come now? <gasps> so they said that they would be checking in on her like every so often. One night, Jackie then decided to leave her kids with a babysitter. Uh, she's like, I, I just need to have a night or, mm. or whatever. So uh, a woman named Darlene, who was one of her neighbors, said like, I'll watch the kids. And she was putting the kids to bed, and then afterwards, uh, Darlene was watching TV, and then she was about to go to sleep. So before turning in, she was going to go to the bathroom, which I think everyone does. Mm -hmm. And she said all of a sudden, she felt like the hallway got longer, and she like froze in fear, and she heard a voice say, don't come in here. To which she replied, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. And then she trembled and she backed out of the doorway and she just like laid on the couch like petrified for hours. Oh my god. What and did she really have to pee? I know. She said like she she didn't know what to do. She just like closed her eyes. She's like I don't want to see anything. Yeah. And like I guess ghosts have to take care of their business too. Like that's rude. I suppose. <laughs> okay. It actually said that. <laughs> In an interview with Darlene uh, she later said, the voice I heard was really spooky and scary. It really scared me bad. It was an older man's voice. I couldn't believe my ears. It was gruff, eerie, and a threatening tone. So she knew it like couldn't be the children, and they mm. were like two and infant. So, you know. Right. So that, that was great. So she said that she was able to fall asleep, but then like she woke up in a sweat, and she was just like so anxious like all night which I don't blame her. Me neither. Oh, God. So not long after that, Jackie and one of her friends were in the kitchen making food, and they started to see the strange orbs. And they – but it wasn't just like a flash. Like, it was just like hanging out there. Oh, my God. Which is really creepy. And they're like, could this orb be a ghost? And <laughs> Could this be? But like – in the flesh, you know, it, but it was kind of like a lava lamp, but out of the lava lamp, like uh -huh. it was just like a, yeah. like an orb thing. Wow. So Jackie grabs her camera and she takes a photo of them, but then the camera stops working. Oh. So she hands it to her friend and says, here, you try it. So the friend holds up the camera to her eye. And when she holds it up, she sees the face of the man <gasps> in the, the, the viewfinder? The viewfinder. Oh, my God. So she, like, screams and she runs and she's like, I'm not I'm not going back in. She was absolutely done. But she did actually get the photos developed and you can actually see, like, the orbs. And what's weird about it is it has, like, actual dimension. Like, there's oh. shadows where it would be and it, like... Oh, my God. They had, like, photo analysis, like, photo experts uh -huh. analyze it and they're like, what... And this was before, like, Photoshop and stuff. Oh, my gosh. So Jackie started thinking, like, okay, I'm not alone. This is not okay. This has been happening for a while. But she's conflicted because, for one thing, like I mentioned, she can't move. It's expensive. 
she has kids and you know it's Mm -hmm. it's not that simple another thing is she can't go to the police because if she says hey so I'm seeing like lava lamp lights and there's pebbles (laughs) in my walls and someone's like walking around in the attic but like right they'd be like okay lady and she okay so another one weekend her ex-husband Al comes over because you know even though things didn't work out they were still trying to have like a civil Mm -hmm. relationship for the kids and he was a pretty good father to to her children and Jackie decides to confide to him and let him know what's been going on. Al, however, does not believe that this is going on. She thinks that she's doing this for attention and that she's lonely and misses him. And he's like, there's there's no way. He saw the pencil thing, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ugh. So Al, who I guess was a little ahead of his time and could have been a member of Ghost Adventures, he stands up and he says, okay, you think there's a ghost, so we're going to call it out. And he yells, if you're here, show yourself. And you'll never guess what happened. The ghost appeared. It did nothing. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. Wow. And Jackie was frustrated because she's like, "I'm, I'm serious, this is happening. So nothing happened, and then eventually he leaves. But shortly after Al leaves, Jackie opens a closet door and scribbled all over the walls is Al's name hundreds of times. Oh, my God. It's got goosebumps. Oh, my God. The A was in blue ink, and the L was in red, and it was everywhere. On the closet walls. Oh, my God. So it was kind of like an F you. Like, the ghost is like toying with them. Right, because it didn't do anything when he was there. And then it basically was like... Oh, my God. Horrendous. Uh, horrendous. Oh, my God. I don't even know what I would do. No. I have no idea. I would burn it down. That's... I wonder if... Well, maybe you'll get to it. Like, if they figured out who... If someone died there or something or more on that later. Okay. Jackie said it seemed that the more scared she got, the stronger the activity was. Like it was feeding Mm, off of her. Yep. So she had a friend recommend, why don't you hire a paranormal team? And Jackie was reluctant because the last time she tried to get help with the priests, you know, it didn't work out too well. Right. And her friend said, these are probably the last people to judge you. Like, if anything, they can tell you, like, nothing's really going on or, you know, you can at least get some peace of mind. So Jackie decides, okay. She called a local team that her friend had seen on the news or, like, on a a special or something. And coincidentally, they were investigating the Queen Mary. Oh. So interesting. So... The team of paranormal investigators was led by Dr. Barry Taff. He was a parapsychologist who studied over 20 poltergeist cases. And one of them was actually so famous it inspired the horror film The Entity. Mm. There was a man named Barry Conrad who was a videographer and a photojournalist. There was... Jeff Wheatcraft, he was a photographer. There was also two other investigators named 
Gary Bohem and Larry Brooks. So there were two Barrys, a Larry, a Gary, and a Jeff. <laughs> they sound like... Um, it sounds like a sitcom. Yeah. It sounds like if the Three Stooges went paranormal. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Two Barrys, a Larry, a Gary, and Jeff. <laughs> and also when the paranormal investigation was going on some of Jackie's friends came by for support which I thought was pretty cool that's really nice so when they arrive they start to set up some equipment and they interviewed Jackie about what had been going on so the first thing that they noticed about the house was there was a foul rancid odor Mm, never a good sign no Uh, Jeff said that he was actually very skeptical because he was like, okay, this lady's talking about disembodied heads in the attic. She's talking about like lava lamp lights. Mm. There's nothing here. And he said, yeah, okay. So he was the one who was like, I'll go check out the attic. So Jeff went up there. And as he walked around, he did say that he felt like someone was staring at him and he did feel uneasy the attic was small it was dark and it was empty and he raises his camera and starts taking photos and by the time he gets to the third click something pulls the camera out of his hands (gasps) and that causes him to scream and he climbs out of the attic like trembling so jeff and one of the berries (laughs) go back up there and they like have a flashlights with them and they go to check it out and they find Jeff's camera in one corner of the attic and the lens of the camera was in a completely different corner. Oh my God. Jeff was like, okay, you know, I'm sorry about what I said. I think something might be here. <laughs> might be haunted. <laughs> Maybe. So they come down to do more interviews or, you know, to get their composure again because I'm sure they were a little shook up after that. And then the team starts to hear pounding noises coming from the attic. Oh, my God. And one of them said, (laughs) one of the documentaries I watched, they were like, it sounded like a 200-pound rat. And it's like, why are you? (laughs) What does that sound like? How do you know? Why can't Hmm. you just say it sounds like a person? Right. A, a 200 pound rat that's okay oh okay right. so now you know what the ghost sounds like actually it was that the whole time <laughs> it's a rat in disguise yeah the rancid odor the pebbles like it explains everything no it's not <laughs> giant rodent in the walls it was the rodent that said like don't come in here <laughs> right it learned how to talk right yeah it's a mutant rat it had pfoas it had- <laughs> <laughs> we've come full circle this oh no unintended causes <laughs> chemical this uh, was a psa actually (laughs) don't eat microwave popcorn thanks for listening okay tune in next week um the real paranormal no i'm kidding corporate greed okay okay anyway 200 pound rat right and then also some of the lights start to go off and they all see like flashes out of the corner of their eyes or even like light from like the attic oh I will also note that Al Hernandez was staying with the kids in their room to make sure they were okay while this happened, and he heard someone say right in his ear, tell them to get the F out of here. Oh my God. Tell them to get the fuck out of here. Was Al a believer after that? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm a believer. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm out of here. I'm out of my mind. I'm afraid. Okay. Okay. That was a weird laugh. I'm just nervous. Okay. Okay. So I don't know why, but then Jeff is is like, I'm gonna go back up there. He's like, put me in, coach. Like men are stupid. He says that when he was up there, he sees like a dark mass or like a mist slowly moving across the attic and then it like fizzles away when he described the mass he's like it looks like three guys are standing it's like what are these people's analogies <laughs> like three 200 pound rat and three men like First standing it's, a mist it's like are they on top men. of each other or are they like <laughs> next to each other like moving side to side oh my god <laughs> i don't understand so they wrap up for the night and the next day, they go get some of the film developed because, you know, the time before digital. So when they developed the photos, they saw a lot of orbs in the photographs. But they also, when they were reviewing the film, the videotapes, there was also orbs throughout oh, okay. there as well. So conveniently, though, whenever the video cameras were in the attic, they stopped working. So they would work on the first floor, but not in the attic. Wow. So the next night or eventually the team comes back and when they are in the kitchen, there's a reddish ooze coming down the kitchen cabinets. Oh my God. And they're like, excuse me, what is this? And Jackie says, oh yeah, that happens sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in SpongeBob, the the walls were dripping with ooze. Wait, they always do that. (laughs) The Hashling and Slasher. Oh yeah. Um... The hashling. The hashling. The parapsychologist. <laughs> they could not find any explanation as to where this was coming from. They checked, like, the ceiling. There was no, like, you know, water or rust or anything. So they took a sample of this, and they actually sent it to a lab to get tested. So when the test came back, it showed that it was human blood plasma. And it was from a male, and it had very high levels of iodine and copper in it. I don't even know what to say. I don't either. Like, why are you still there? Like, why haven't you, like, burned it down? Oh, jeez. Okay. Like, at that point, just, like, I don't need... How, go what? hang out with the... Wilson in the ocean. Like, I have nothing like... for you. Go, oh. go become a nun. Yeah. Oh, wow. I Yeah. So there's really creepy. That's really creepy. There's that. There's that going on. Just a tidbit. Just um, thank you. Pretty gross. So the team is in and out of the home doing like different investigations over the next couple weeks. And then one night, the team gets a frantic call from Jackie saying that objects are getting thrown. Her kids' toys are levitating doors are slamming and she hears voices coming from the attic and then the line cuts (gasps) and the team is like jackie are you there and then like the phone comes back in and she's like are you there are you there are you there like barry i need you to come here so they they go to jackie's house and gary and jeff go to the attic i don't know why jeff keeps going to the attic (laughs) He need, he was scared so badly he needs to like face his fear maybe okay. I don't know okay like it's fine so Jeff was reluctant but he said he felt better about going this time because he wasn't going to go alone and it had been a month since 
Jeff had been to the house. Mm. So when Jeff was up there the first time, he also said he felt a skeleton hand press on his back. He said it felt like really bony because I watched a documentary and it would like show really cheesy (laughs) reenactments or whatever. Basically, it was like I felt what it was like a skeleton, but it wasn't like a brush and it wasn't like a tap. It was like a skeleton hand that pressed me hard. And then it like shows whenever it did a reenactment versus actual photo, like it would show in the corner, like actual footage or like reenactment. And it shows this guy's back in like one of those anatomy class, like skeletons <laughs> just like touches. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. Oh, anyway. so funny. Okay. So like I said, Jeff was reluctant because you know he had been traumatized from when his camera was you know thrown out of his hands and when he felt a skeleton hand but Jeff was holding the flashlight and Gary had the camera and as they go up to the attic and they're walking around and then people on the first floor start seeing like the flashes of light and then all of a sudden they hear snapping so they just would hear And they do that in the documentary. They're like, like that. <laughs> like you hear it just like that. <laughs> so, but it was like there was intervals between it, which was creepy. It's so weird. So Jackie looked at Barry and Barry looked at Susan and then Susan looked at Jackie. And they're all like, who did that? <laughs> and, uh, all the people downstairs then yell for Jeff and Gary to come down because weird stuff was happen- happening down there. Suddenly, Jeff screams and he was attacked (gasps) and he was lifted up and a clothesline was tied around his neck and he was picked up and placed on a nail on one of the rafter beams and since jeff had the flashlight he dropped it so the attic was dark (gasps) so gary started taking pictures so he could see the flash Oh, oh 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 and he captured Jeff hanging on the rafter and they actually caught a photo of this but before like he realized he caught a photo he helped him down okay good and so he was okay so (laughs) oh my god they bring him down and he is shook he has like red marks on (gasps) his neck and they don't know where this cord came from because there was nothing in the attic and he was like picked up and he said he blacked out. He didn't remember, like, anything. And thankfully, like, if Gary wasn't up there, he probably would have been hanged. Oh, my God. And I'm going to show you the photo. Okay. Are you ready? No, but, yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. So weird. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jeez. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. Poor yeah. Jeff. I know. Um, yeah. I'm glad he's okay. Yeah. So, like I said, they he had red marks on his neck. They had no idea where the cord came from. And other team members started feeling dizzy, and one of them, like, blacked out. They obviously concluded this was paranormal. But, like, <laughs> what was so weird about it is there was deliberate attacks Mm -hmm. and they were intelligent and 
like deliberate and what was weird is it seemed to be targeting Jeff and they didn't really know why Mm. so a lot of the members go outside on the porch to get air and and regain their composure and Jeff was obviously shaken up and then Jackie takes her children out there too and then they notice that there is a red mark on her daughter's forehead Thankfully, her baby wasn't hurt. It wasn't like a bruise or a scratch. But there was some kind of red substance on her daughter's forehead. But they don't know what it was because Jackie wiped it off. And then she's like, we're leaving. I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. So after that, Jackie and her kids left and they never returned. Her Her and her kids were living in a mobile home north of San Pedro. And she finally gets out. However, the activity doesn't stop when she moves. It followed her. No. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, no. So in her new home. She had an attachment. Mm-hmm. Oh, my poor woman. I oh, know. I feel so bad for her. I know. Oh, my God. I okay. Know. I know. I can't imagine. So she continued to see strange lights and orbs. She... She had a friend over, and both of them saw a black mist. And then one of the bedspreads actually caught on fire. Oh, my God. And they put it out, and in the marks, it the burn marks made a face. She needs to call another priest. Like, she needs to be cleansed of this. Yeah. Like, a non- non-judgmental priest. Yeah. They also heard heavy knocking and pounding, and it would come in waves of three. No. Her neighbors were helping her move a TV in, and they saw a face in the corner of the TV of an old man, and the TV was unplugged. Oh, my God. And, like, the new neighbors had no idea of, like, any of this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it was the same old man's face that Jackie had seen in the other home. Oh, that same night, there was scratching sounds coming from her storage shed. Absolutely and not. intense pounding that sounded like someone was trying to get out of the shed. So she calls the crew again, and everyone is confused. They're like, excuse me, I thought, you, why <laughs> is that, that, that woman? <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, they go there. They, they're seeing orbs. They're seeing shadows. And I don't know what they were thinking. This is the last thing you do. What did they do? They get a Ouija board. Oh, my God. They get a Luigi board. <laughs> they get a Kuiji board. <laughs> a Ouija? A Wadja. A Ouija. A squeegee board. <laughs> they get a Luigi board. Like, why? That's not what you do. That is not no, what you do. call but, a priest, please, God. Jackie, Barry, Jeff, and Tina decide that they're going to use a Ouija board. So the thing that's really weird, I mean, there's obviously a lot going on, but this entity answered the questions in full sentences. And Jackie said that it was moving so fast that they had to have someone like write in the letters like as oh they my went. God, that's so scary. So here's what they asked. Okay. How long have you been trapped in the spirit world? The answer, 60 years. Did you die in the old home? The answer was no. Where did you die? The answer was San Pedro Bay. The question oh. was, did you drown? 
know I was held underwater. Did you live in the San Pedro house? The answer was my murderer did. <gasps> oh my God. The next question was how many ghosts are in the home? Phantoms fill the skies around you. Okay. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> no. Cryptic. Okay. Okay. So then <laughs> Jeff probably steps in and he's like, do you hate anyone? <laughs> but they ask, like, are you angry or do you hate anyone? And it's spelled out Jeff's name. Why and then you target Jeff? Jeff asked that. He's like, why, man? Like, why? I don't need, like, what do you want? So Jeff asked why he was being targeted. And the entity said, you are the likeness of my killer. Oh, my God. So they said that the table shook violently. The candles they were using started to flicker. And then Jeff was thrown from his chair and he hit the wall and they thought he died. (gasps) Thankfully, he was okay, but he was shook. And... They they all, like, screamed and left the house, and she took her kids again, and they went and, like, lived with friends, and she was, abs- like, I can't, I can't imagine. Like, I, I don't have words. I don't either. I, I can't, I have nothing to say to that. So they go to some archives to look up some old articles and stuff, and here's what they found. Okay. After the session, they did some digging, and Barry found some info. In old papers, Barry Conrad found an article that dated back to the year that the entity claimed to had been murdered. Mm-hmm. In 1930, a sailor named Herman Hendrickson's body was found under a pier. At first, it was suspected to be foul play because there was a wound on his head, but then police later deemed it was an accident because they thought he injured his head when he fell off the pier. Mm. There was a man named Charles Pearson who was a suspect, but he was never convicted. They also found that there was a man named John Damon who originally built the bungalow, and he could have been the old man of the apparition they were seeing. So they concluded that there was like a benign ghost. So that was like the Mm. old man who wasn't as like vicious Mm -hmm. and then the other ghost was more vengeful okay so jackie moved into a friend's house like i said they actually still had like activity but it wasn't as intense and then one night she was visiting friends in san uh, pedro and she woke up to a bright light and she decided to follow it like i don't girl (laughs) (sighs) Okay. I mean, at that point, maybe she's, like, used to it a little she's bit. She's like, all right, what do you want? Like, right. I, I'm not going to f- give you energy of fear. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. It's like when you have to take the dog out. It's like, you, we just went outside. <laughs> like, what do you want? Right. And so she follows the light, and it led her to a graveyard. And the light stopped at a grave that said Damon on the name. Oh. And the light circled around the name a few times, and then it disappeared. And she said, like, after that, the activity started to die down. So she thought it was a way of the old man ghost mm-hmm. of, of John saying, like, bye. Okay. It's like, why did you, like, you could have stopped that a while ago. Right. Like, why did you lead me here, like, yeah. sir? 
she said like after about a year the paranormal activity died altogether wow Jackie and her children no longer have paranormal experiences. Her daughter at the time was too young to remember. And at the time of, there was a LA Times article about this. And it was like not too long after it, like maybe a couple years. Mm -hmm. And it said that her son sometimes had trouble sleeping still, but they were like all okay. It is said, however, that Even after all this time, if a family moves into that cute little bungalow on 11th Street, they don't stay long, and there's still reports of bad smells, strange lights, and odd noises. Wow. So something I also want to note is Dr. Taff, the parapsychologist. I mean, their parapsychologist's job is to, like, investigate the paranormal or telepathy or telekinesis and Mm -hmm. to determine if it's real or not and there have been many studies about this I mean it's not like some people say it's a sign some people don't I guess it's sort of the same as some people Mm -hmm. believe in ghosts some people don't but there is a term called RSPK that stands for recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis and this theory is essentially with events of poltergeist activity in his experience in Dr. Taft's experience most cases in that involved clients who had suffered some sort of emotional distress or like mental trauma tend to be more susceptible to like paranormal tales or Mm. they and He's not saying like it wasn't true, but sometimes it's either a way to, I guess, like you put energy toward, it's like a projection mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. But Taff concluded that Jackie's emotional distress at the time of her life, like kind of helped power the hauntings. Mm-hmm. So there was like a lot of energy that was fueling this. And it's, it's a pretty interesting topic. It might be like an episode down the road, but mm-hmm. it's basically, he was like, I don't want to say, I hope he wasn't victim blaming. Mm-hmm. He, like he wrote a book, but I didn't read it or buy it because, right. no. But basically he was saying like she was in the perfect situation for this to happen mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. So. That makes sense. My sources are, I watched three different documentaries. One was called An Unknown Encounter, a true account of the San Pedro haunting. That was actually directed by one of the, Barry Conrad. There was also, I watched one of those paranormal shows where they have like the people talk about it and then they have actors like Mm -hmm. react it out. That one was Sci-Fi's Paranormal Witness, Season 2, Episode 1, Man in the Attic. (laughs) There's also The Haunting of Jackie Herendez, A True Paranormal Story. There was a book written by Barry Conrad called The Unknown Encounter. And there was also articles from the LA Times. So... Well, that was terrifying. Yeah. Thank you. That was a pretty creepy one, but I... Wow. uh, That photo, though. Yeah, wow. That was intense yeah the whole thing was though like yeah the plasma thing kind of gets me yeah i don't like that <laughs> it yeah. just kind of happens sometimes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 um but yeah they 
They don't know where, like, they don't have any logical explanation for that one, but they send it mm. to a lab and they're like, hmm, yeah. We can't debunk this. Inconclusive. Mm. So um, that was terrifying. Um, yes, thank you. A PSA to priests, I don't want you to be judgmental to women in duress. <laughs> be more accepting of people in general. Thank you. Especially paranormal that's all experiences yes yeah it was um it was very she was only like 23 too like holy crap oh my god i can't even imagine no i can't even imagine i couldn't even imagine like not at 23 you know yeah gosh oh my god so i'm glad they're all okay me too um the other okay so some people try to debunk this and i will say some of it seems very like I'm I'm not an expert or anything and I'm not saying like this stuff didn't happen but some of it just seems so like Hollywood mm-hmm. to a certain extent so I'm not saying it didn't happen but it was like convenient that the camera stopped working at like mm-hmm. critical times or right I don't know but the fact is there were so many eyewitnesses mm-hmm. there were the neighbors there were the crew like right so many people were involved and all the stories were consistent mm-hmm. the other thing is a lot of the timeline of some things kind of get moved around because it has been you know retold mm-hmm. a, a couple of times or it, it's been like kind of sensationalized so some things get told in different ways so I'm just and you know, with like a grain of salt, I did my best to piece it together. Yeah. But like some of the documentaries like said different things. But mm-hmm. like Jackie was interviewed in all of them. So it's not. So it's like some things she said, but then I don't I don't know. Yeah. Like there are things that were said in one documentary, but then not said in the other. Like not to contradict them, but mm-hmm. it was like. I'm sh- I'm sure if you live at a place for three years, like you can't explain right. everything that happened. But anyway, I'm. I'm going to stop rambling, but just letting you're you good. know. You're good. Yeah. Creepy. <sighs> should we sage? We should we sage. We should do it after. Well, sorry. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to episode 29. Thank you. We would like to thank the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and music production is by Justin Tim. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Could you please tell them where to find us? You can follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you'd like to submit a listener report or just say hi or tell us the difference between Portland and Seattle, <laughs> please send us an email. At Most importantly, <laughs> that one. <laughs> the insomnia report at gmail.com. Label the subject as urgent. Thank you. Yes. We need you. to know. We need to know. But really, thank you all so much for listening. It, it really means a lot to us. You all make our day. So yes, we thank you. appreciate it. And stay sleepy and spooky and buy some sage. And <laughs> I will not be able to sleep after this. <laughs> I, I know. I know. <sighs> you are pretty tired, though. So I am. And it's look, it's 1 a.m. Normally, we stop recording. Like, it's great. It's We're great. fine. We're, We're fine. Good. You'll, you'll, Everything's fine. Everything's great. Okay. Good night. Good night.